morning. Good morning. Welcome to Faith. If you're, if you're your first time here, you're a visitor, we welcome you in the name of Christ. It's been a, a great time of worship here this morning. We're really excited about what God is doing here during the summers. As many people slow down, we kind of gear up for, to bless the children of the church and the community, and we're just thankful for the, all the, those who have labored, and we pray you will come out uh, a Thursday to that gathering, that, uh, that uh, final uh, program. We're in a, a message series on the Sermon on the Mount, in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer. And we each year we take the month of July to talk about prayer. And so this will be the last in our series. And my title today is Deliver Us From Evil. Deliver Us From Evil. As you know, I have a, a grandchild, uh, uh, several grandchildren, and uh, Last, and a feedback here, I don't know what's going on there, I'll, I'll move over here. <laughs> Last Sunday, we had a, a, a fourth birthday party. It was at an establishment that I won't name, because I don't want to throw them under the bus. But, a uh, lot, lot, great, great place for kids to have a party, and there was a lot of, lot of kids there. There were figures on a stage doing a program, and the kids loved it, singing songs and all the games and stuff. And there was, there was food, not pretty good food, expensive, bad food, but that's okay. <laughs> But some of us were there, and we were getting hungry, so we said, let's get in line and let's eat. And so we said, let's pay for this bad food. So we're in line. There's a lot of people in line with their kids, and all of a sudden, in the midst of all the loud music and all the commotion, a fight almost broke out. I mean, there was an altercation between some people who were at each other. They knew each other, but they didn't like each other, and they were saying, you didn't blah, 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 and you didn't blah, 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 and people had to hold them back and there were a few expletive deletives that went through the air. And what was interesting is that, you know, parents were grabbing their kids and let, let's get some parents left. Some parents said, let's just find out what's going wait and see what's happened. Well, no, no punches were thrown. No one did what they said they're going to do, which is go in the car, back to the car and get their gun. That didn't happen either. But in the midst of it, somebody got in between the people and said, Y'all need to stop all this cussing around these kids. And, 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 I, and I said, I, I, I said, it's interesting. And then I thought, I, I was th I've been reflecting on that, and particularly as we've been thinking about this idea of evil. Evil. What is evil? Do people believe in evil anymore? Y'all need to stop cussing around all these kids. Cussing. Profanity. Bad language. Where is the line? Where is the line? Is the line that you don't cuss when kids are present? It used to be the line was you don't cuss when women were present. I don't think that's anymore. I've, I've heard some women. Um, <laughs> is, it, is the line you don't cuss in public? Where is the line? Is it you don't cuss at all? Or you only cuss a little bit? Where's the line, folks? Here's what, I, here's what I've been thinking about. Everybody's got a line. And everybody says, they're on the good side of the line. You notice that? Everybody has a line that says that this is good and this is not good. This is right and this is not right. And yet in the disciples' prayer, Jesus says, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Is that evil just evil out there? Or is there some other evil going on? The text is Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. We're going to look at the context. We'll read verses 9 to 13, where Jesus, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, 
is talking on the subject of prayer. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's a prayer that in, in, in a former day, many people memorized and knew that prayer and could recite it by heart. A living life in this world is like a soldier advancing through a minefield, watching where he steps because you could get blown up. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all vulnerable, aren't we, to, to the things before us. It's dangerous. And sometimes we look at dangerous things and sometimes we make bad decisions because of the things that we fear. You know, there's good news. The good news is that we can ask our Father, ask God to guide us as we try to navigate the difficult trials of this journey called life. We have a heavenly Father that we can talk to who promises to guide his children. This is Matthew chapter 6. and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been instructing his disciples to do their spiritual disciplines in a way that, draw, that doesn't draw attention to themselves, but to just do their spiritual disciplines. He's, he looks at three disciplines, the core disciplines of faith, giving, fasting, and praying. He looks at those three things in chapter 6. He doesn't say stop doing those things. He doesn't say that. But he says that genuine disciples of the king should do them with three, these three dis disciplines uh, with a proper attitude, with a proper motivation, with hearts that are not seeking to be righteous before people. They should be done as children of God who are desperate, who know their father personally and have a relationship with God the Father. He points to the pagans of his day with their out-of-control, ecstatic, endless praying and says to his disciples, don't do that. And then he points to the refined and the dignified religious hypocrites of his day and says, they're flowery words and uh, great theological precision in their prayers. And he says, don't pray like that either. <laughs> he calls them to simplicity and sincerity. Now, the passage is really intended to be uh, uh, an outline for prayer. As we've been looking at it these, these past few weeks, it, it should be called the disciples' prayer, not the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is John 17, and next week we'll start an August series on John 17, the great unity prayer of Jesus, the high priestly prayer that he prayed to his father before he died. This prayer is in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the prayer for the disciples. And there are two simple sections to this prayer, as we're reviewing here. It's about our God. It's about our needs, our God. Who is our God? He is our heavenly father. He's a great king, and he's holy. Hallowed be his name. And then the second half is about our needs. We are human. We need divine provision. We are sinful. We need divine pardon. And we are vulnerable we need divine protection. And that's where we are today as we wind up this prayer. We are vulnerable, folks. We need the Lord to lead us and guide us. We need divine protection. And so we are encouraged to ask him in this prayer, this model prayer. The structure of today's sermon is simply the nature of the tests that we face, the reality of evil in our, in our world, and the prayers for deliverance. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. The, 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 the words temptations and trials and tests in the original language, very, very similar root 
they're a very similar word. The, the translations are very interesting how they choose to translate that word. Now, in this journey called life, there's potential for failure or success. We, we saw this in the life of Job, which we studied this spring. The, 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 the test that he had, did he pass the test? Did he fail the test? At what point did he pass the test, fail the test? Many of you probably have a driver's license. You got that license probably from the DMV. That's quite an experience, isn't it? <laughs> you, you go to the DMV, you, you, you're prepared, you think you can pass the driver's test, and uh, how many of you passed the first time? Oh, praise the Lord. Some of you didn't. Not, all, not every hand went up. <laughs> the test itself, the, the, it doesn't, the, the, the person who created the driver's test is not trying, they, they want you to learn how to drive. They want you to pass the test. But if you don't pass the test, it's not on them. It's on you for not preparing well, for not being ready. Very similar to a teacher in a classroom. Most teachers, they want you to pass. I say most, I don't say y'all because I don't, I don't know the heart of some teachers. <laughs> they want you to pass. They don't give you a test so you can all flunk. However, you don't study, you don't read, you don't prepare, you, you might flunk. And when you flunk, it's on you, it's not on the teacher. Life, there's just tests in life. And, and part of what, what we have in, in this prayer is, lead us not to temptation, is, is Lord, when we go through the tests of life, help us to make the right choices so that we won't fail those tests. God doesn't really tempt us. God doesn't tempt us. But the prayer is, lead us not to go down the road of temptation as we go through the tests of life. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10 says this, no temptation has overtaken you that it's not common to man, to man, mankind. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So in that test, as you go towards that test, and as you have the, 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 the possibility of, 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 of doing what you ought to do and doing what you shouldn't do, it says God provides a way of escape that you can take that exit. You ever been on a road and uh, you're driving and you realize you missed your exit? It's happened a lot. <laughs> God provides a way of escape, but you've got to take it. You've got to take that way of escape. We, look, we heard James chapter 1, which is a very important passage in this, as uh, a parallel passage here. The great wisdom of, of James in chapter 1. Um, he explained, one man says, he explains that trials are the reason for rejoicing in the first half of that chapter, chapter verses 2 and 4. Because of the wholesome effects that they produce. Trials can produce something. And the word trials, in the original language, describes things that put a person to a test. There may be difficulties that come from without, such as persecution, or maybe inner moral tests, such as temptations to sin. And so James, the author, uses the word in the former sense in verses 2 to 4, and the latter sense in verses 13 to 18. Dr. James Boyce says the word temptation has two meanings. It can refer to a direct temptation to do evil or a trial, an ordeal, a testing, the kind of test that comes to a Christian from God. So James chapter 1, 2, and 3 says there's a kind of test that we're to count all joy because God used the test to, to develop our hearts, to develop our faith, to produce steadfastness and other things in our life. But then later in, chapter, in verse 13 and 14, he says, let no one say when he's tempted that I'm tempted by God. God doesn't do that. Tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own sin. Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in, in, in Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. 
There were three tests that he had as Satan came to him. The first test was to provide for himself by turning stones into bread. He'd fast, he was hungry. Temptation regarding his life in the provision of his heavenly father to take care of his needs. The second test was, was test the father by jumping off the tip of the, the, the temple. This, this, this is his presuming upon the protection of God, the protection of his father, protecting himself in a presumptive way. And the third test was um, Satan said to just bow down and worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. And we know that Jesus was going to get the kingdoms of the world after the cross. <laughs> this test was to gain those things prematurely by worshiping Satan. That's all you got to do. Just worship me and I'll give you those things. This is a temptation regarding the ultimate purpose and plan of the Father. We are tempted in the same three ways. Do we trust God's provision for us? Do we trust his protection over us? Do we trust his plans and purposes? You know, faith is built up through trials. Faith is built up through trials. By the way, there are no trials in heaven. That's the good news about heaven. There's no tests, no trials in heaven. But we all face trials on earth. And I've faced enough tests in my life to know that God is able to carry us through the kinds of tests that we face. I, I look back to my senior year in college. When you, know, when you finish college, you're excited you're finishing college, but you don't know what you can do the rest of your life. Your life's ahead of you. And I applied to work to come to Baltimore to work for the university, to work with, with campuses, to to campus ministry and to reach out to the campus world. And, and I, 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 my, before I graduated, I found that I was accepted. I did get a job. Great news, I had a job, <laughs> a wonderful job, a job sharing my faith with people. I was so excited. That was the good news. But then there was bad news. To do that kind of job, I had to raise my own support. <laughs> and my, in my church context, that was crazy. You, know, you didn't do that. You didn't go talk to churches and people for money. And that was, so there was a growth edge for me, but for, for many years, uh, uh, God, God provided. And uh, in various ways, whether through seminary or through, through different churches or raising support, God has provided for our needs. Now, I, 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 I may not live in a mansion, but I have a home with a roof on my head. It doesn't leak, by the way. That's nice, because I know some people have had some horrible experiences. I don't drive a Rolls Royce, but I can get around without walking. <laughs> I may not eat caviar, steak, and lobster every day, but I have not missed any meals. God has been faithful. And Jesus says it, later in this chapter, you of little faith, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, food, clothing, and shelter, will be added unto you. His eye is on the sparrow. I know he watches me. But we're tempted when, to not trust God, aren't we, in, in various ways. The trials of life become tests of our faith. Larry Burkett, the, the late financial planner, always asked the probing question, do you truly believe God or do you merely say that you believe God? It's a great question. Do you believe God for sure or you just say you believe him? What makes trials complicated is often the tests we face have a moral element. It's not just two good choices, but there's a good and evil choice. I want to talk next about this thing called evil, the reality of evil. 
God is good and he is God. He's, God is good. And the, the Old Testament over and over again tells us he's good, his mercy endures forever. And, and that is true. And if God exists and if good exists, the opposite exists, there is evil. And evil is that which is not like God. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some say deliver us from the evil ones. Ambiguous, whether it's the evil or the evil one. Now, where, where is evil? Where is evil? Well, there is evil certainly from the evil one, the devil, that, that fallen angel. First, verse Peter 5 tells us to be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We saw that in Job, didn't we? So Job was look, the, the devil was looking over for someone to, to mess up, someone to accuse to the Father. Peter says, resist him firm in your faith. He's like a roaring lion. Someone said he's like a lion with no teeth, but we think he has teeth. He's so evil that he sought to even trap the Son of God, as we saw in the wilderness. Satan is an evil creature who desires to take us all down. J.R. Packer has said this, demons or devils are spiritual beings and hostile to both God and man. The demons were fallen angels, deathless creatures serving Satan. Having joined Satan's rebellion, they were cast out of heaven to await final judgment. Their minds are permanently set to oppose God goodness, and truth, the kingdom of Christ, and the welfare of human beings. They have real, if limited, power and freedom of movement. Though in John Calvin's picturesque phrase, they drag their chains wherever they go and can never hope to overcome God. So Satan, you see, takes the situations, the trials of life, the tests that we face, and he uses them to tempt us to disbelieve God and disobey God. Another source of, of uh, evil, where is evil? It's evil in the world. The New Testament, the Greek word is cosmos, the cosmos. You know the word cosmos, cosmopolitan. You know, the, the, the prophet Isaiah speaks of a time when men are calling evil good and good evil. How do we know what is evil and what is good? Again, where is the line? <laughs> you know, we, we, in, in Isaiah chapter 5, it's a very fascinating chapter. Isaiah profiles the evils of substance abuse, pride, of greed, of materialism, of injustice, of ignoring God's deeds, of falsehood, of, of being wise in your own eyes, calling good and evil and evil good. How do we know what is good and how do we know what is evil? Well, the world says just take a vote. And whatever, is, whatever gets the most votes is the way we should act. Whatever is popular, whatever the, the, the population says is right, that's what we ought to do. Others will say, no, nah, just follow your heart. <laughs> follow your heart, that uh, mantra that we hear so often. Well, <clears throat> I would believe, and we should believe as believers, that God's word is the ultimate decider. God's word is the ultimate decider. That's why we need to study his word and read his word and, and meditate on his word. And we shouldn't expect those who don't that to really come to the right conclusions about where those lines are. But there is evil, and we need to understand that evil is in our world. The scriptures say in 1 John, greater is he that's in you than he who's in the world. That's, about, that's for disciples of Jesus Christ, those who have filled the Holy Spirit, to know that, 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 that the truth of, of, of discernment is within our hearts because 
the Spirit of God. The other source of evil is in our hearts. Now, I just said that we have the truth in our hearts and we're believers. But there's flesh, there's this, this evil in our hearts. The evil isn't just out there. There's evil in here. <clears throat> Again, we often reject the notion that, that, that we are evil as outdated and, and unsophisticated. You know, we're progressing, aren't we, as human beings? We're evolving. We're intelligent, right? Well, let's hear the testimony of Jesus. Richard Young Ruler comes to Jesus and says, good, good, good rabbi, what can I do to inherit eternal life? It's a very good question. What can I do to have eternal life? And before answering this question, Jesus says, pause. He says, time out. Good rabbi, good teacher, I think he was a good master. He says, why are you calling me good? There's none good but God. Now, is Jesus denying that he's God? No. Jesus wants this man to understand that if you call me good, you're calling me God. Because only God is good. Luke chapter 11, parallel passage to this, when the disciples want to, to learn how to pray. Jesus, the Lord's Prayer is in Luke chapter 11. And then he tells a story about, about uh, your father's a heavenly, he loves you, and he wants to give you good things. And he says this, uh, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? He says, the father wants to, to bless his kid. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. I'm not going to do that, because the father loves his kid. And then Jesus says this, Luke eleven thirteen, If you then, three words, who are evil, ooh, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, who's good, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus summation on us, me and you, of mankind, we got some problems. Do you see that? There was an old song as a kid we learned. You know, I see the kids singing today. And it goes back a few years. It's not my mother, it's not my father, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. Some of you don't remember that song because it's an old song. It's not the preacher, not the deacon, but it's me, oh Lord. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. It's funny how those songs come back to you. These kids, 50 years from now, remember some of these songs. That's the beauty of, of singing as a kid in church. <laughs> but it's me standing in need of prayer. Each week, that, that's why each week in our worship, we do what we did this morning. We pause after praising God to confess sin, to confess we're, we're fallen people. We do that each week. No, a few years ago, there was a worshiper who didn't like to do it. She never did it. She just said, her, her, understanding, her understanding of the scriptures was that when you are born again, you do not sin anymore. He which is born of God sinneth not. King James, whatever. I don't, I, that's a paraphrase, King James. And her understanding of what that meant was that believers do not need to confess sin. And so when challenged about that, uh, she decided this wasn't the church for her. And it, so it's, it, she was confusing the New Testament reality uh, that we are sinless in our position. We are justified, declared righteous, the Bible says, justified before, by faith in Christ's work on the cross, yes. But not the condition of our hearts. We are not purely perfect. In fact, there's a civil war 
going on in our hearts. It goes on each day. In fact, I've never been accused of using the Westminster Confession of Faith too much, but I'm going to read the Westminster Confession of Faith, which our church believes in, because I think this is the best summation of this whole issue. The chapter 13 on sanctification, which, which is growth in our faith, growth becoming less sinful and more like Christ. Those who are effectually called and regenerated or born again, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them, are further sanctified, becoming more holy, truly and personally, through the power of Christ's death and resurrection, by his word and spirit dwelling in them. The word and the spirit dwelling in our hearts. The dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed. Its various lusts are more and more weakened and put to death. And those called and regenerated, again, born again, are more and more enlivened, more and more enlivened and strengthened in all the saving graces, leading to the practice of true holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. That's a phrase from Hebrews. Paragraph 2. This sanctification, although imperfect in this life, key phrase, is affected in every part of man's nature. Some remnants of corruption still persist in every part. And so there rises a continual, irreconcilable war. The flesh warring against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. Although, third paragraph, last paragraph, in this war, the remaining corruption may strongly prevail, that remaining corruption may strong, it may strongly prevail for a time, yet through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate nature overcomes. And so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That is a mouthful, but there's great insight there that in our hearts, there's a war going on. You come to Jesus Christ. You know, before I got saved, I didn't care. In fact, we were talking about cussing earlier. I said more cuss words as a kid than I ever have as an adult. I didn't know it was wrong. Well, I knew it was wrong, but I didn't care. I came to Christ, and I changed. My heart was changed. Why? The Spirit of God won't let you do what we, he'll let you, He won't let you do easily what you've been doing. He says, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. And so you come to Christ, a warfare begins in your heart. Maybe that's been your experience. Why, you know, why did I come to Christ and I thought things were going to be better for me and they seemed like they got worse? You know what I'm talking about? Because now you're a battlefield. Satan wasn't bothering you when you were on his team. You changed teams. He wants you. He wants you. And you need to remind yourself that greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. In Romans 7, Paul talks about this struggle. I want to do this, but I'm not doing it. I don't want to do this, but I keep doing it. Lord, what's wrong with me? Wretched man that I am, he says, who can deliver me from this body of death? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is therefore now, not when the struggle's over, now, no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. That's our gospel. And yet, there's no condemnation, so we can cry, Lord, lead us not into those temptations. Deliver us from evil. The last thing I want to talk about is, is prayers for deliverance. Prayers 
or deliverance. Um, the word deliver is actually not the common word for deliver you see in the New Testament. It's the word rescue. Rescue is the word that's used. We've seen a lot of rescues this week, the last few weeks, and with the weather that's going on in our country. Some crazy weather, hasn't it? The East Coast, we've been, well, the West Coast has been all these fires. Lots of fires. There's a man needing to be rescued on his rooftop. We've seen rescues out West. And um, in the East Coast, some in Baltimore, Maryland, Pennsylvania, all over the East Coast, we've seen uh, water rescues that have had to take place. People who are desperate, <laughs> needing to be rescued, um, Helping, hoping that a neighbor will come to their side or a first responder. Now, we have one who rescued us when we were desperate. He was the first responder in our lives, wasn't he? Ready to meet our needs. The cry of this text is for the rescue from the various kinds of, of not dangers, but evils. Evils. Evil in my heart, evil in my family, evil in my com community, evil in my church, evil in my city evil in my nation, evil in our world. There's evil all around us. This great song that the choir sang a couple of years, maybe last year we sang this song, that, that is just a great prayer for the believer to say, Lord, help me to guide me and lead me and help me to have my steps ordered. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me, guide me, Every day, send your anointing, Father, I pray. Order my steps in your word. Please, order my steps in your word. Humbly, I ask you, teach me your will. While you're working, help me to be still. Satan is busy, but God is real. Order my steps in your word. Bridle my tongue. Let my words edify. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. Take charge of my thoughts both day and night. Please order my steps in your word. I want to walk worthy, my calling to fulfill. Please order my steps and I'll do your blessed will. The world is ever changing, but you are still the same. If, if you order my steps, I will praise your name. So order my steps. Your word, order my tongue in your word, order my feet in your word, wash my heart in your word, show me how to walk in your word, show me how to talk in your word. When I need a brand new song to sing, show me how to let your praises ring in your word, in your word. Please, Lord, order my steps in your word. A couple applications. Memorize the word of God. Commit, whether you're struggling with things, you need to memorize the word of God. So the, the psalmist says, uh, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Somehow, knowing the word of God, having the word in your heart, and calling that up in times of temptation is very helpful. In the, in the wilderness, we saw Jesus gave Deuteronomy back to Satan. Gave him Bible. Anything Jesus said would have been Bible. There's an example here for us. <laughs> when Satan comes, give him Bible. Give it in context. Satan tried to quote the Bible back, but he was all out of context. You know, Satan does that. But we need to memorize the Word of God. A great verse. Mark chapter 9. Here's one to memorize. Six words. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. There's a father desperate for his child. 
Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You want his son delivered. The psalm, psalm this great psalm is about deliverance. When, we, when Terry and I were engaged, we committed ourselves to living a life of purity before the Lord. And one way that we held each other accountable was memorizing Psalm 25. Now, I used to know the whole psalm. Don't ask me to recite it now. That was a few years ago. But I recognize verses in that psalm. I mean, oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. My, may integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Memorize the word of God. There's many psalms. Psalm 34, Psalm of Deliverance. We need to understand that Scripture looks uh, at, at these things, at, at a believer's death, as the ultimate deliverance, though. That's the ultimate deliverance. So even some of the promises you might see about he, he, he'll, he'll deliver you from all of your situations, remember, the ultimate deliverance is when we see him face to face, and that will be glory for us all. So memorize the word of God. Memorize particularly uh, psalms that will feed your heart. The second thing is simply to live in light of the cross and its power over sin. Live a life in light of the cross and its power for sin. Don't, don't live as if you have to earn something before God. Don't live as if the, cro as if the cross and resurrection haven't happened. <laughs> Rest in the cross where Jesus died for your sins. Serve him in light of it. The cross, the empty tomb, the resurrection, we see the power of God and we see the ultimate victory over the world, over the flesh, and over the devil. Galatians 2 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Live, rest in the, in, in, in the, the cross of Christ, in the victory of Christ. So in, in this series, we have um, seen that we're urged to address God with three things in mind. He's a loving Heavenly Father. He's powerful, holy. He's our King. And we're then encouraged to ask Him for the basic things that we need to be effective disciples of this God. John Stott has a great summarization. He says, the three petitions which Jesus puts upon our lips are beautifully comprehensive. They cover, in principle, all our human need. Material, daily bread, spiritual, forgiveness of sins, and moral, deliverance from evil. What we're doing whenever we pray this prayer is to express our dependence upon God in every area of life. It's through the Father's creation and providence that we receive our daily bread. It's through the Son's atoning death that we may be forgiven. It's through the Spirit's indwelling power that we're rescued from the evil one. Many of you know that in 1812, America fought its first war after the revolution. It was the War of 1812. Um, the British, I guess we're trying to take us back, take back what, what, what the, 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 the states that they had lost several decades prior. They came to invade the United States. They, they was one of the only time, I think it's the only time that, that Washington, D.C. was attacked. Uh, the Capitol, the White House were burned. Um, as you know, they came up the harbor to Chesapeake Bay and, and um, tried to take Baltimore. Fort McHenry, Francis Scott Key, you know, you know all that. You're in Baltimore, you know that, right? And we withheld the British. They, that was in the summer. That was in, uh, I think, September 
of uh, 1814. The year, it was War of 1812, but it took a couple of years. And then there was the Battle of New Orleans, which was an interesting battle, very significant. One, it was very significant because the, the, the war hero was a man named Andrew Jackson, who eventually became a president of our, of our country, but also because the treaty to end the war was, was, was um, agreed upon in, in Belgium in December of 1814. But the, 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 the bloody Battle of New Orleans occurred in January of 1815, after the war was really over. Think of it. They're fighting, they're, they're, they're sweating, they're losing blood, and they're killing each other, and, and yet victory has already been established. That's the picture of the Christian life. The war is over. But there's a little bit of skirmishing still going on <laughs> in our hearts, <laughs> in our world. But the good news is <laughs> that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That Christ is victorious. And if you're in Christ, you are victorious. Because he is indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Saints, the skirmishes we face are real to us, aren't they? They are real to us. And so we pray for each other. Lead us, not me, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. But we, we pray for each other and we fight these wars knowing that ultimately we are more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. And your mercy sustains us through all the trials we face in life. Lord, some of them may be going through very serious trials even right now. May they know that in Jesus Christ they have hope. In Jesus Christ they have a body to help them through the trials. Help them to, 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 to find the way of escape if they're on the verge of temptation that might lead to sin. For all of us, Lord, help us to trust you daily. Order our steps. Lord, if there's people here today who have never made a, an initial commitment to you, may they do that even as we think about our souls that, that because of Christ, we have peace and we have confidence that we'll be with you no matter what happens because our sins are taken care of. Use this word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's